the minute God showed me that the only way to please him was to put him over politics as usual, right? To put him over the way everything, to, to care more about what he cared about than what people cared about. There was a great freedom instantly, but right. walking it out was a muscle that I had to exercise. Yeah. Welcome to Kingdom Over Everything. I am your host and chief fire igniter, Shea Bynes, and I have with me the delightful, the wonderful Denise Grace. Get some. What is going on, Denise? I'm your new bestie. Let's just call it what Yeah, let's it just is. call it like it is. It's established. We are besties in the making. It's happening. You're the chief everything now for me. So This is so funny. So <laughs> our connection, we have... We have like a history that we did not know of, right? All of these connection points that we've discovered over the last, um, just over the last few weeks. Yep. Which is pretty So hard. many friends. That's just how the kingdom works. It's like, I feel like the Holy Spirit set us up to just be Insta friends, but I've also low-key been stalking you, as I told <laughs> you. Um, so don't be weirded out, but like, this is such a huge moment for me to just be able to like talk to you in person or, you know, virtually. Yeah, and, soon in and person, in person. Connect, to connect spiritually. I just feel like yes. your heart carries so much of what I feel like God's put on mine, and it makes me so happy to be here. So thanks uh, for coming. Well, I'm so glad. And, I, and we're, shout out to Bob Hassan, our mutual friend, <laughs> for uh, mentioning to me over breakfast, oh my goodness. You and Denise, you guys would really hit it off and would probably barely get a word in with one another. <laughs> yeah, Bob Hassan is is the low key like didn't even realize it ultimate social connector, but I That's love right. him so much That's and right. his wife even more. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Lauren too. Yeah. So I got to tell you, I'm just really excited about this conversation because so I picked up your book. Well, actually, I sent you a message and said, please send me your book. <laughs> Let's be clear. Which and I was so honored to do, by the way. Thank you. It is called Politics for People Who Hate Politics. And then the sub says how to engage without losing your friends or selling your soul with a forward by Senator Tim Scott, who's pretty awesome. So, okay. So Denise, I read this book. I've speed read the book in preparation for our conversation. And I was just in the, I had, I don't even know what chapter I was in. It was very early in. And I sent a text to my friend and I said, have you read this book? Or do you know, Denise, have you read this book? I'm reading this book. I said, I have a tear in the corner of my eye. The tear represents hope and the tear represented hilarity because you had said something really funny in the book. So, so I just want you to know that I'm excited about this conversation because on a, in the area of politics, yeah. like when you think religion and politics, some of the most divisive Taboo. Yeah. ever and yeah. yet here you come writing a book on it and coming from a place of unity in the body of Christ in the midst of it. So I can't wait to dig into all the things, but let's start with some, well, actually let's do this first share what you're doing now. And then okay. I want to go back and talk about a little bit of the history that led even to this. So start us off with what you're doing right now. You're what you're, what are you doing on a day to day? Right. This yeah. Morning? I mean, it is, God, the journey God's had me on is just wild. If you'd asked me even two years ago, if I ever thought I'd be doing the things that I'm doing today, I never could have imagined. I mean, this is such an Ephesians 320 season of my life. And um, so the daily is really, is really evolving even as, as I speak. And um, so I have a public affairs firm, um, which we do a lot of media relations. So we have clients that we love to promote. Most of them are faith-based and they're people who are doing amazing things in the marketplace. I'm really more um, as my, <laughs> I tried, I thought about being a pastor once upon a time, which is hilarious. <laughs> and my pastor looked at me like this and he was like, Denise, you don't belong in the church. He's like, you're a pastor to culture. And he's right yes. on both fronts. I wasn't ever made to do traditional vocational ministry. I'm way too spicy. But <laughs> I am, I do really love the world. And I have such a heart for people to hear about people who are doing incredible things. And then all of a sudden they're like, why are you so amazing? And they realize it's because this person's a believer and they're excellent and they have integrity. And I just love that. I yeah. love being able to put people like that on a pedestal and 
blow them up. And yeah. so I'm like the ultimate cheerleader for people. When I find people like you that I just think are incredible, I'm like, how can I get your message out? That's my favorite that. thing in the whole wide world. And so that's what I do through our PR firm. I've got an incredible team of amazing women, spirit-filled, and also I'm adding to it. So there's now there's actually two men. So there's like a little bit, <laughs> not just a team of women anymore, um, who just have a heart for the things of God. Yeah. And we pray together when we're stumped. You know, we don't always have the answers to everything. We're like, Lord, help us to do what you want to do. For this client, we prayed that you would help us give us favor so that we can do a better job for them at the yeah. best we can possibly do. And God is so good to answer. So that's what I do kind of as my job. And yeah. then um, my real, like my my career is really in politics and has been for 24 years now. And it's always been just to be involved in the background or sometimes in the forefront. Um, I worked in the White House. I worked on the Capitol Hill. And I worked, I ran for Congress myself in 2016. I didn't win, thank God. Um, <laughs> I really can say that now without crying. Um, but I I feel like I've always been involved because I care so passionately about our country. I'm a daughter of immigrants and my parents, my mother escaped communist China. So I know wow. that the freedoms that we have are not things that we should take for granted. And I'm yeah. here to fight for the vision that God gave our founders to help us establish a more perfect union. Yeah. And so that's just something I've always felt since childhood. I've always loved government. And, and that's really like my career, like my passion. But God added another element to it, which is really new. Um, Senator Tim Scott, who wrote the foreword of my book, is also a very dear brother in Christ and somebody who has been um, almost like like the Holy Spirit externalized in my life in some ways that I don't always appreciate, but I love him for. <laughs> when I go to Washington, he started, he was the first person to point out and say, and I'm in Washington one to two weeks a month. Um, he says, he said, says to me sometimes, you know, you have like this political spirit that comes over you and it's not attractive. <laughs> something about you change when you come here and that, that selfish ambition that's so, so massive in Washington, right. there's something that there's an edge to you. And you, and it's like, he's like, I, I just, I feel it. And you need to know about it and you need to be praying about it. And, and he wow. said it to me, maybe a little, maybe not, maybe a little nicer at times, maybe a little less nice at times, but he's honest with me. And yes. I love it because he, he calls me out. He exhorts me to be better and um, to really seek first the kingdom of God yeah. in all that I do. And that requires breaking the mold on politics as usual. And so I feel like I've I've engaged in this whole new sort of era. And so I told him when he ran for president, I said, look, I owe so much of my spiritual development, my political, you're like a political mentor to me and a friend. How can I help you? And he goes, well, once in a while, if you could go on TV and be a media surrogate for me, that would be great. And I was like, ah. yes, of course. So the day that he announced in Charleston, I was down there. Um, and then I flew right up to D.C. right afterwards, and I went on a show that he wasn't able to be on because he was in Charleston in the studio in, in D.C. And through that, through talking for him, and this is such a kingdom thing, when you serve other people's visions, God elevates you and your own desires. It's so yep. interesting. And so I was there to just to talk about Tim and how amazing of a human being he is and how incredible of a president he would be. And then when I was talking, I was so passionate that the people, the producers said, hey, you're, you're actually really good on camera. And I'd always thought, I don't think I'm that great on camera. My mom was a TV star in Taiwan. I was oh, on the nice. bachelor. I was on the bachelor, the TV show for one ill-fated night. And I got kicked off real fast. <laughs> I was like a deer in headlights. I was like, I don't want to be here. Get me off. Help me Lord. And so I just always assumed that I had no role in that world. And that was my mom's thing. But I always had a desire to be in the media because the media shapes so much. That's why you have a right. podcast. And so think about how the news influences us. And I always wanted to bring a kingdom perspective into the news without going into Christian news. I wanted right. to stay mainstream. And so um, the producers, I just had massive favor and they started saying, do you want to come back on and be a panelist? What's so crazy is that the first day I came on to be a panelist on the show that I had just been a surrogate for Tim on, there was a man sitting in the corner of the studio in while we were recording and everyone kept talking to him and kind of uh, buttering him up. And I was like, I don't have time for, I don't know what's going on here. I just don't want to mess up. So I'm looking at my notes and prepping for my first ever show as a panelist. And at the end of the show, I was walking out of the studio 
And that man said, hey, I'm Perry. And I said, oh, hi, I'm Denise. And he said, um, and I felt immediately the Lord said, there's something spiritually significant about this connection. And um, so I, I kind of lingered. And he said, you know, let's walk out together. So we walked out of the studio. It was my first day. I didn't know if I did good, bad, whatever. And he said, you were you were good. And I was like, oh, thanks. I mean, I didn't know who he was, so it didn't right. really you just knew Perry. Was. Yeah, I'm like just grateful for any feedback whatsoever. In news, if you don't get any feedback, that's the best feedback you can get. If you're hearing from people, it's probably not a good thing. So um, as a words of affirmation, love language person, I was eating up whatever, anything. So I walk in with him. I'm like, I like this guy. And I'm like, sorry, what is it that you do again? And he's like, oh, I'm chairman and CEO of Nexstar. So um, Nexstar is the big media conglomerate that owns, you know, it's like the News Corp that Fox News is a part of, right? It's okay. They're buying all the TV stations. And um, and I was like, oh, that's pretty important. And I was like, no wonder everyone was so nice to you. So we walked out <laughs> and, we, and I just I just was like, Lord, bookmark that. That's important. And the next thing I know, two weeks later, a friend of mine who's a producer on the show said, you know, Perry just talked about you in our like all hands meeting. Wow. He said you were really good. And I was like, am I, what? Ever since then, God has just been opening doors for me to be on TV more and more, specifically on this show, but also on other outlets. And I actually got a call from MSNBC um, asking if I'd go on to talk about my book. So now I'm going to cover like nice. from Fox News to MSNBC. The message of my book is important to everyone of faith yes. or not of faith. And That's so right. I'm so honored to be able to have those opportunities. That is really awesome. And so I love the way really there was actually, there was a, what's that? What'd you say? That was a really long answer. Sorry. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it. I love that there was just that, kind of that seed of interest in media. It's like you weren't pursuing it, but it was no. just, it was just sitting there bubbling under the surface. All my life. Wow. Yeah, all my life. I've yeah. To do I love it. that. Okay. So I want, speaking as going back, cause I do want to, I want to go back a little bit in your life. Cause there's a lot of things yeah. about, first of all, of all the, years I've been podcasting, which has been over a decade. I have wow. never- You're like know, an OG right? podcaster. I'm an OG podcaster. For you real. are. And I've done hundreds and hundreds of interviews. And this is the first time I've talked to a person who had a career in politics. Like yeah. that, not that they were a business owner, that God was like, uh, I want you to do something in government, yeah. but like you were career politician. So, and you yeah. loved- politics, which is very unusual to me. So I need to understand the backstory of like, what was like your childhood and yeah. all of that. Like I need to give us some of that, that led to politics and even the faith integration that led to you to have a different perspective around it. Oh yeah. I mean, you ask such good questions, Shay. Um, so my parents are immigrants and my dad came from Canada and he moved to America with his parents when he was 13. And he joined the US Air Force to become an American citizen. He got naturalized as a result of joining the Air Force. He wanted to be an American. And um, my grandparents were from England and uh, Wales. And so there was just something that they, they knew that the opportunity was here in, of all places, East Orange, New Jersey. And so that was where my dad grew up. And he just said, I just wanna serve this country. He just had a heart for service. And then my mom, my grandfather was a two-star general with Chiang Kai-shek. So they fought oh. um, Japanese aggression in China and then the communists. They, My grandfather was on the good guy's side. And we were fighting for democracy, my family. And so there was something about freedom that was just innate. It was like in the fabric of our family. Yeah. And we just really wanted, I wanted to do everything I could to ensure that this land that my parents had come to for those freedoms, that that remained a country that was free. And so I've always wanted to fight for, I'm, I'm really like kind of a civil libertarian on many issues yeah. where I really believe that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict people and to direct our country. And it's my job to advocate for the things I believe in, but the government shouldn't be involved in the intimate issues of our lives. There are exceptions to that. And depending on how you kind of slice it, obviously I'm hundred percent pro-life because yeah. that is a life to me. But in most things, I believe we are actually better suited to consult with God about what we do with our lives than having a federal government take the place of God in our lives, which is the definition of communism. Yeah. And so freedom is big. And when I was in college, I read a book about the rise of the Christian, right? Ralph Reed was coming up 
with the Christian coalition. And I felt like I was so passionate about the life issue that I felt like the Lord said, then I want you to go into politics. But nobody was mm. doing that coming out of my college. There wasn't like where'd, a career. Where'd you go to school? I went to Bowdoin College in Maine, okay. which ironically Tip O'Neill went to. A lot of politicians have come out of. Oh, but, interesting. Um, but I just never, that's not a thing. Like you don't go to a really expensive liberal arts college to go, like that's not the American dream for your parents to go be poor on a campaign. Like that's not right. what they came to America for, right? right? They're like, go be a doctor or a lawyer. Or, or a lawyer. And like <laughs> help build on the American dream that we've sacrificed so much for. Right. And I, I'm going to go be an intern on the Bush campaign in Austin, Texas. And they're like, okay, Austin sounds really fun. And you're not making any money. So are you sure? Like this, my mom actually threatened my Chinese mom who always yes. wanted me to be a doctor, but I faint at the sight of blood. Um, he was like, fine, you can be a lawyer then. I'm like, great. Um, and she was like, I'm cutting you off if you go and do this po political thing. Like, what is, this is not in the Chinese paradigm <laughs> right? become a successful American. Right. And so I was like, okay, if you want to. So I got a job at night selling gym memberships to pay for my internship. Oh my and I gosh. worked for free for eight months working seven days a week because I cared so much about the future of our country in the 2000 election. Wow. And so I got to see up close and personal what it was like to be on a campaign. And then 9-11 um, hit when I was in the White House. And obviously yeah. um, everything changes when you're dealing with a disaster of that magnitude. And my heart became really just to serve our country, to unify our country. And if you remember this, and I don't expect anyone to, but George W. Bush ran on the platform of being a uniter, not a divider. Mm. And so everything he said, his faith, the way he loved people he disagreed with was so resonated with me that I really feel like we're so blessed to be in a country where we all get to be part of the democratic process. My hope is to include more people in that democratic process right. and to help engage them so that they have the full experience of what it is to be an American. Yeah, that's so good. So I remember, cause you, that was federal government things you were talking about, but you yeah. also said there was also some local government things. And so, yeah. so you have some beginnings of like real partisan politics, really partisan, like yeah. really partisan yeah. that you're yeah. walking through. And I remember in the book where you're talking about just, there was these pivotal moments. I want you to talk about the God moment that shifted you from this kind of like winning, 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 partisan, narrow focus yeah. to a broader kingdom over everything. Like what was going on yes. then and what was God doing? So one of the things that I think a lot of Christians fall into, or maybe I'm just more susceptible than most, is doing business or politics or anything as usual. Like when, you, when you're 22 and you go into um, an office, you kind of adopt to the adopt the culture that's there to fit in and get promoted and do all the things like you don't know right. what you're doing. So yeah. when I stepped into the campaign, I just did what everyone around me was doing because I didn't know any different. So, but there were moments when I had checks in my spirit and these people were amazing people on the Bush campaign. Yeah. It's not like they were bad people. They were just super partisan because you have to be when it's us versus them. Right. And so I learned a lot about what it was to be a hardcore partisan party hack right. from being around party people. Hack, you said. Yeah. From being around people who did that for a living and right. were very successful winning campaigns. So I just thought, and also my perspective was if we win, it does, like ends justify means because right. if we win, we'll be able to change things and bring glory to God when we're in the White House. Yes. So you kind of have some moral equivalency about things that you do right. that you probably wouldn't do if you were at church. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so there was a sacred secular divide that I directed that set me up for disaster. Honestly, it it um, Henry Cloud writes this book called Integrity, and it's yeah, about uniting like who you are out and externally with yeah. who God has created you to be internally. And I found that I was lacking in integrity in who I was to the world mm -hmm. in church versus in the workplace. And also who I was inside and what I was doing in the workplace. And again, I wasn't like killing people or doing anything right. overtly bad. Right. It was just like the spirit that was in me was yeah. one that was not honoring or loving towards people I disagreed with because I yeah. saw it as an existential fight that I had to win instead of trusting God to yeah. bring the right outcomes into fruition for our country. Yeah. So 
I, I did all of, you know, I, the pivotal moment for me was when I was actually running for Congress. It's really different when you're behind the scenes and you're throwing bombs at people. It's kind of like when you troll on social media, <laughs> nobody sees you. So you can be like, you suck. And you can throw a bomb and like, what are they going to do? Right. right but nothing. when you're yeah. like the candidate and you lead, like I did, my opening candidacy announcement was talking about civility, kindness, and respect for one another and how I wanted to restore that. I didn't think that that was so crazy, but the media ate it up and they're like, what is this in 2016? Think about it, 2016. Oh yeah, I remember 2016, right? yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, we all do, we're all traumatized. Um, and so I was like saying these countercultural things, but that's just what God had told me to do. Right, right. And then I was challenged to live up to the standard that I had set for myself. And yes. so when you're on, you're in the spotlight, you're on a platform every day and there are people that are just shanking you from behind yeah. the front, the side, throwing bombs at you. And you're like, I really want to punch you right back. Uh -huh. and, and I can't because God has called me to a higher standard. Like right. I'm still human. I mean, I'm still from the Bay Area. I still have like my gangster side for sure. <laughs> like I can totally cut you down with five words, you know, maybe right. less, you know, but and I can do some pretty, I've learned a lot of tricks in my political time, uh -huh. ways to destroy opponents. And yeah. so I have all this in my arsenal and it's in my nature and God is calling me to something higher. So one day I went, I was like, I was, I won the primary. It was brutal. And then I was kind of exhausted and I went out for a run and I started getting annoyed. Look, I love politics, but I ended up kind of hating politics when I was a candidate because it just became an all-consuming thing where everybody wanted stuff from you all the time and you can never make anyone happy. Nobody's like, right. you're so great. It's all the people who hate you that are commenting on your Facebook and Instagram. And you have a word of affirmations love language. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this sucks. I hate this so much. Get me out of this suit. I actually had this little old woman um, spit on me after oh a debate gosh, and she was like a Republican because she was so upset about my position on immigration, like legal immigration. And I was like, Okay. Like I, this is like a new low. So anyway, this was like a daily thing that I got spit on either in, in reality or just like, you know, practically speaking, I felt like yeah. I was being spit on all the time. Right. So I went for this run one day and the Lord said, um, I was I ran in San Diego. So it was like the most beautiful district ever. And I ran, I was stopped right in front of Coronado Island. And I looked out over the island and I thought, God, this is the most beautiful place full of such innovative people. And um, so many entrepreneurs, so much military, so much beauty of what America is, is in this district. And I just yes. want to steward it well. But I really hate everything right now. I'm not having fun. And everyone sucks. And <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And he's like, and I can't give you authority over anything that you don't love. Mm, that's I, what I call I, a Holy Ghost mic drop moment. Oh, my gosh. And it was like. I literally started weeping. Yeah. I realized that I was doing the things like that God had called me to do, but outside of the character of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So none of it mattered. It's like first Corinthians 13. Like you can have all these gifts, right? Prophecy. And you can be so gifted in speaking and you can have the right everything. You can have the right policy positions. You can be the only one standing up for God in the political arena. But if your character is in the line, God cares about our hearts and our attitude towards people. Yes. And so he wasn't pleased with me. He didn't care that I was the only pro-life candidate standing up for things that really mattered and standing up for kingdom principles. What he cared about was that I didn't like people. Mm. And he <laughs> wanted to address that. Right. And, and so I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, you're right. I'm not worthy of this. And it was such a pivotal moment for, because no one knows how to live out their principles until they have to and they're placed in the worst. It's like being a Yeah, pressure. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, wow. something okay. like that. <laughs> so then, so I'm curious what happened on the other side of that. So you have this, like, that's a pivotal moment. Holy Ghost Ugh. mic drop moment. He's like, I can't give you authority over something that you don't love. Yeah. So now you've got to like reframe your whole self. Like he's purifying your heart. <laughs> so finer's fire. Right. Right. <laughs> so then what did it look like? Cause, cause you can grab hold of God's heart concerning a thing. Yeah. And, but you're operating in the space of where people yeah. are not. Right. And so talk to me about that journey. I mean, I'm not saying everybody's not, but the system is set up for it not to 
you know, yeah. that's why we have to come in to bring, you know, bring the kingdom yeah. into the system, right? Oh, yeah. So how, so, yeah. what was that like? It's like swimming upstream against yeah. a very strong current where yeah. nobody else is, nobody is like, you're not able to draft off of anyone. I'm a triathlete. And so when you get in the water, like in your you swimming in the ocean, like I, you, you're always looking for someone to draft off of. You're always trying to get yeah. behind a strong swimmer so you can get into their stream and it minimizes the friction. I was the yes. lead swimmer on this one. Yeah. Right. There's nobody, even people on my own campaign team were pressuring me to go for the guttural against yeah. my, my opponent. There was, I learned something about my opponent right before the election. It's like every election has like a, like a, black October, like surprise, like, you know, it's like the thing that you can destroy. Everyone holds everything until the, the week. You hold your card, right. Yeah. And then they drop it and there's no time for anyone to make up for it. Mm. And so I, I found some pretty incriminating stuff about my opponent right before the election. And I had pressure from everybody. I had a pressure from the party. I had pressure from donors. I had pressure from my own campaign staff to say, hey, do you really want to win this? Because if you do, it's time to unload all of your ammo. And right. I remember the Lord saying, Denise, I have put every authority into place. This guy was an incumbent. And um, so he was he was early there and he, God had put him in authority. And so he said, I can take him out, but I don't want you to use. It was a cave of a Dullam moment where King David was sitting there and all of his guys were saying, Saul has been delivered into our hands today. Yes. And King David was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. And then he was like, oh my gosh, like, no, it's for the Lord to decide who's in yeah. charge. And I'm not going to kill him. That blood's not going to be in my hand because it's acting out of the character of God. Yes. That's what God said to me. He said, I want you to trust me. I want you to not use this. Do not follow the world's way of doing this and trust me instead. Yes. And what that required to answer your original question that led to that story is it required me caring more about pleasing God than mm -hmm. pleasing man. Yeah. And when you're in a career where the entire point of it is to please man, to get votes, to get votes. Yeah. Like literally politics is about pleasing man. <laughs> like there's Pretty no much. career that's more yeah. about appealing to people to win right. their votes and hearts and minds than politics. Yeah. And the Lord says, actually, I want you to please me and not care about the people. The Lord led me down this whole thing where he started highlighting to me in scripture, all the places that had juxtaposed pleasing him versus pleasing mm. man. Mm. And I was like, so convicted. And I said, Lord, I have an audience of one. Help me to remember that when I get on every stage. And it actually made me a much better candidate because yeah. I could get on stage and in freedom, instead of worrying about what people would say or how they'd respond or do they like me, I didn't care. I had freedom because I was like, I'm here. God's put me here. I'm going to do what I can with this platform. This is about something so much greater than this race. Yes. It's about speaking truth and hope. Yeah. Yeah. And so at that point, you were better at being able to release the outcome. Like winning meant something yeah. different to you. Yeah. Winning meant following the Lord and doing yeah. what he said. It yeah. wasn't about an outcome. I felt like I won even though I lost. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. So I have to ask you this. And I have some questions about the book, but let me ask you this. So you, you grab hold of this perspective. You're walking this out. It's like you're swimming upstream. Yeah. Now, when you think about D.C., right? You said you, you spent a lot of time in D.C. You know, yeah. uh, Tim Scott, uh, this is probably his life on a regular basis of like swimming oh, yeah. upstream in this, in, yeah. from, a, from a national perspective, right? Yes. What is your perspective? Like, what's your hope or your perspective? Like, when you think about this perspective and Focusing on operating this way, holding, having winning from a different lens and still navigating the spaces without being partisan, but saying, you know what, I'm not on your side or yes, I'm registered Republican yeah. in your case, or for some, yes, I'm registered Democrat, but I'm not on your side. I'm on God's side. Right. What is your perspective? And since you're friends with Tim Scott, you probably have a whole another layer of perspective around this, around the growth of people actually operating this way. Like what's your, what's your hope, your perspective or what you're seeing? What, you know, I, it's taken a long time. So the switch was immediate in my spirit. So like right. the minute God showed me that the only way to please him was to put him over politics as usual. 
right? To put him over the way, everything, to, to care more about what he cared about than what people cared about. There was a great freedom instantly, but right. walking it out was a muscle that I had to exercise. Yeah. I wasn't used to being on the other side of things my party said. Um, suddenly I had just a different, I, different ideas. Um, actually, I'd always had them because you know, the Holy Spirit had given me policy inspiration, but I was afraid to say them. And it started yeah. changing the way that I would speak about issues and the people they affected. And I think that right now in this very divisive season in our political you know, era, people are not interested in speaking the truth in love. That right. is, love has really left the equation. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing more and more acrimonious conversations, more division, especially within the body of Christ, which yeah. really hurts me because there's nothing like the political and the religious spirit combined to mm. destroy unity. Yeah, the leaven so, of Herod and, yeah, and leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven of the like, Pharisees. We need to cut the carbs. Like seriously, the church needs to cut the carbs. The leaven is killing us, right? Yeah. And we like that's a great so, hashtag. Cut the carbs on. Yeah, I know. I wanted that to be like a whole book on its own, but um, maybe I'll pitch that later to my publisher. But I just I feel I feel so um, sad in the way yeah. that I see just the I am a Republican. Um, yeah. When I see somebody like Tim standing up for kingdom principles, but the church in their bloodlust for winning. Yes. Um, just saying, you know, before I remember when when we had like it was 2020 and and the church would say why they were supporting different people. And they'd say, well, right. this person is really just like the only one that stands for what we believe in. And so we have to. Well, now we have multiple options of who to choose. We have real believers who are literally have lived an entire life of integrity and have consistently stood for kingdom principles. And the church continues to choose otherwise. And to me, it is... Um, it, it doesn't surprise me that the world looks at us just the way, the same way that the world looked at me. Like I am your test case. I am just as guilty as everybody else. And that's why I wrote this book because God's yeah. been teaching me how to come out of that mindset. But like I too did things out of pragmatism instead of right. principle. Yeah. And I'm not saying to be dumb and like go vote for someone who has no chance of winning, but yeah. we actually have a chance of putting people in office that actually like hear from the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. who are integrity filled, who can bring us together. What's interesting is the Pew Center has done a bunch of polls on division and everyone hates it. Like it's the only thing Republicans and Democrats seem to be able to agree, agree on. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like it. Yeah. And um, yet we continue as Republicans and Democrats and as believers yeah. to fuel division instead of um, trying to, foster unity. And then by unity, I don't mean conformity at all. I don't want yes. a bunch of little Denise's running around parroting what I'm saying. I want to grow and I want to learn and I want to evolve in my policy positions and understanding of the world. What I mean is like, there's no desire, there's no starting point where we're saying, hey, we believe in the same God. This this is a conversation to the church. We believe in yeah. the same God. We yeah. have the same scripture and we all pledge allegiance to him above all. Also, he tells us to speak the truth and love, and I don't know how little humility in it. So <laughs> it's like if we don't get it right as the body of Christ, and we're doing it super wrong right now, and yeah. again, I include myself in it because I'm still a political animal. Yeah, but like it's a it's something that the Lord I think grieves His heart, and that's why Jesus was so harsh about the leaven of Herod and the leaven of Pharisees because there's nothing like the confluence of the religious and political spirit to destroy the church. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so I want to know the backstory behind this book. So you just woke up one day and was like, oh, this stuff that the Lord's <laughs> been talking to me about. Hey, how about I write a book? Like, what's what's the story? <laughs> so funny. I got my um I got the age my agent in March of 2020, 2020 in the middle of COVID, like right at the beginning of COVID. I think like right before COVID. And I had already written, I didn't know anything about the book writing process. Um, and so I'd already written like this whole like 
book about my the story of like my life, which I don't know why I was so arrogant and thought anyone would care. <laughs> but maybe it was like some kind of therapy working itself out in the writing of this book. Writing and it was very really cathartic. about <laughs> exactly very cathartic. And um it was a difficult time in my life because my marriage was really struggling and I was um I was asking the Lord to show me like where he was in the midst of all of it. And so the book was really about how God was in my life in little ways that I didn't even recognize and the, the constancy of like his love and his faithfulness to me, even when I felt like I was completely alone. And so it was a beautiful book. Thankfully, they never published it um, <laughs> because when they were smarter than I was, they said, look, if you do this, no one's going to read it because nobody cares. Nobody knows your name. How about you tell us something you actually believe in and you really care about? I'm like, well, this is 2020 now. Now we're like deep into 2020. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I we know about like, 2020. Yeah. It was like trauma revisited over and over. Yes. I mean, just the, the words 2020, the number just gives me like, you know, I have some kind of heartburn. But I said, by the way, that we should probably get rid of the phrase hindsight is 2020. Like, let's yeah. just like, let's say something else. That's so good. It's so true. I'm with you on that. Let's make that a campaign. Yeah. Um, I So I just felt like um, I didn't want to write about politics because I was so sick of it in 2020. And But I also, in the midst of the reason I hated politics in 2020 was all the reasons that God needed to be part of the conversation yes. and part of the equation. And so it was really like the perfect timing for it. The problem is I ended up going through a divorce uh, right thereafter. So it all got put on hold. And then, um, but the Lord is so good in his timing and like his divine orchestration of everything, because now my book is coming out right before Thanksgiving when everyone is so stressed about political conversations, because gosh, nothing's going on in the world to be arguing about right now. <laughs> um, and, and right Literally, three hundred and we're three hundred sixty-three, three hundred sixty-two days before the next election. We're right. I mean, it's perfect timing. Oh my gosh, God is so good. So it just came about because they were like, "Well, when you talk about all this stuff, I know you're saying you don't want to, but you can't stop talking about it." And I was like, "Oh, I have to do this. Fine, God, I'll do it." Huh? Okay. So that leads me to another question, though, because you got an agent for a book. What? So what was the cat? You just wanted to be an author. So what? Made uh, you I didn't want agent to in the be an place? author. I helped my pastor, Miles McPherson, who I absolutely love, write this book about unity um, within the church, with, not even within the church, just like how do we foster racial unity in America? And I used to laugh because I'm like, dude, I don't understand what you've been through. You're black. I'm, I don't know. I look ambiguously ethnic. And, um, and I was like, but, but, you know, I'm really well accepted in like mainstream white America. So right. I don't have your perspective. So I used to laugh. I'm like, are you sure you want me to help you write this? Because I don't know what I'm writing about. So I don't know if you've ever seen the meme with the golden retriever and a tie and glasses on, and he's sitting at the computer and he's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he's like, just pounding on the yeah, keyboard. Yeah, yeah. That was literally me. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And the Lord was like, yeah, I know, just type and I'm going to write it through you and I'm going to help you express his story through your fingers. Holy Ghost Writer. Yeah. Holy. I love that. Holy Ghost Writer. Yep. And um, I learned that I loved it and I knew that his message of unity was so – I have a chapter called The Third Option that I, that I stole from his book with his permission because – it's so powerful. Yeah. Um, because if you look at how politics is divided, it's also divided along ethnic lines. Yes. In the same way our churches are divided. And yes. so, um, yeah. So interestingly, one really big uh, indication that this was of the Lord was the night before the final due draft was due to HarperCollins for my, my pastor's book. I was just frantically trying to get last minute edits and just put the final, make it excellent. And at like two in the morning, I went to open my mouth for some, like, I don't even know what yawn or something. And my neck and my jaw locked. I've never had any issues with my spine or my mouth or anything. And I could not move my neck. I don't know what happened. I went, um, I called a friend. She came and picked me up, took me to the ER. They gave me some amazing muscle relaxer. <laughs> Pretty epic. I was like super happy coming home, but I was going to miss the deadline. And it was like the drop deadline. 
But what she did before she took me home is she took me to the Walgreens down the street to fill my prescription that they'd given me. And when I went to go pay for the prescription, guess how much my meds cost? This how much? The Lord was showing me that Satan was trying to stop this message from coming out. He was exposing the devil for trying to come against the message that he hated because Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Mm -hmm. There's nothing he likes more than keeping us divided. And so the fact that it was on the eve of me delivering this message to my pastor and the world about racial unity in America... Yes. It was such it was such affirmation for me that I just went home and I just kept writing. I mean, I don't know how good it was because I was pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> you're obviously it stuck. It you like were, a, you were very really happy. Big, yeah, I was like a really big needle and I was terrified, but it was like an epidural needle. And I was like, I don't care, I'm writing it. Go God, you know? Oh my so it gosh. just it doubled my result. I love when I see that Satan's strategies coming against me. Yeah. Because it is like God is so good to expose. Yes. Like it, it charges me up. I'm like, okay, bring it on, Satan. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that's so good. You know, I so I read. Like I said, I sped read this book, and I'm going to now slowly read this book. Aww. But when I read it, Denise, I was just like, this book is so needed. Like everyone and their mother needs to read this book. Like I mean, that's how I felt as I was reading. I'm like, there's Aww, so many people you. that need to read this book, and from all the levels, there there is the the individuals who are trying to navigate their personal relationships. Right. But then in here is also strategy and framework and thought process around like workplace context. Cause all the division that shows up relationally also shows up in workplace context. If you're a business owner with the environment you have there, if you are, you're a manager or a director or some executive at some company and the dynamics that you got to work with church leaders and the dynamics that like it has the broadest application for all of these areas and everybody needs it. I'm part. so glad you said that because I I think I mentioned it in the book. I'm not actually sure. There are a couple times when I dropped it in there where I was like, this applies both in and outside of the political arena. That's this the reason it's broadly applicable and that you see it is because this is these are the principles that you espouse yeah. in all that you do. That's why our hearts are knit together. Yeah. That's why we're vibing so well when we talk because um it's this is about being a disciple of Christ and being a true follower and really submitting to his authority in every aspect of our life. If you are an ambassador for Christ in the workplace or at the grocery store or at school or wherever you are, you're an ambassador for Christ. There's no yeah. like when I was I grew up Baptist, so on the uh, door outside of our youth group, there was a sign that said, Welcome to the mission field. Right. Everywhere we went was a mission field. Everything we did was a mission field. Our job is to always be evangelizing for God. And it's through our love that people recognize and are brought in. And so whatever these principles are applicable to everything, just like you said, and you are living them out in everything that you do, which is why I feel like this is such an important conversation to have because it really is. not some weird science about like, oh, I've cracked the code on anything. No, it's just the Bible. It's the Bible. <laughs> it's bringing the, it's what, we, what does it look like to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness as it relates to political engagement and all yeah. of your context, like or whatever, any that, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. Because the thing is, because politics divides everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it, no matter where you are, there's yeah. something going on where there's something that's politically and I think even it's showing up even more in workplace context too, right? So yeah. maybe things that used to be kind of isolated to family family dynamics and stuff like that. When I think about from 2016 and then oh. up to 2020 and then since 2020, I mean, considering how much cancel culture, which by the way, like the body of Christ seems to do cancel culture really, really well as well. Yeah. But it's like, you start to see how, how important it is to yeah. navigate these spaces, the issues to, to yes, you can believe what you believe and right. you know stand for what you believe but how do you navigate how do you value and respect someone who disagrees and how do you listen and perhaps learn something that helps inform yes. even your thought process because we all have blind spots blind spots is something that my pastor taught me about when we were writing that book and it's 
it's not like a sin to have a blind spot. I think right. that's where like, you know, the pride that we, I mean, pride that caused Satan to be Satan, right? To be thrown into hell is is really, we forget when we get involved in something that we care so passionately about that when we insist that we know the only as like the only angle of truth that there is out there, like we have a lock on all truth. Yeah. That is straight from a heart of pride. That's what the Pharisees said. That's why they ended up, you know, like Jesus died on a cross because of the pride of man. Like they yeah. wanted it their way. The only way that they could see that they could be saved from this Roman oppressive, you know, government was that was their way. It had to yeah. be their religion, their way, and their government their way. And That's that right. is in all of us. It's not specific to any group of people. It is something that is we're born with. It's the sinful nature of us to believe that we know better. Mm-hmm. And when we allow that to, to take over the humility that we're supposed to approach and the love and the openness and the understanding, the compassion and empathy that, that Jesus showed to the woman at the well, that Jesus showed to everyone everywhere and broke all social norms, you know, that is really the heart of the gospel. And again, yeah. I just go back to First Corinthians 13. Without love, you can be the most effective political operative. You can win every campaign. You can pass every <laughs> pro-whatever Jesus law you want to. Yes. Without love, what are you? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm. That's Bible. That's Bible. And it's something we've just thrown out because we're so caught in the moment. And I don't, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone but myself. Yeah. This is my mea culpa to the world saying, don't do what I did. And you say it all throughout the book too. You're like, listen, I'm I'm not bragging with me. (laughs) I'm not bragging. I'm actually, and you know, what's crazy is that the Lord is continues to refine my ability to do this. And I don't always do it right in the media. Every day that I'm on the show, and I have a Democrat sitting to my right or left, sometimes two, one on either side. Um, I always joke with them. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to get ganged up on today. And I say, <laughs> Lord, will you please help me to represent your truth separate from any partisan affiliation? Yeah. Um, I want you to help me represent your truth and your love and your hope and and everything you want me to represent in this moment, even when I disagree with them, especially when I disagree with them. Yeah easy to love like what does jesus say every it's easy to love people who love you even the pagans do that even the tax collectors do that but loving people that are your enemies and they're not my enemies but in the moment we're disagreeing so they kind of feel like it right how do you treat people that are your enemies in the moment if that is the ultimate test of how much of a grip god has on your heart yeah i mean my hope i was gonna ask you about you i'm gonna ask you about your hope for the book but let me, can i, I start mean, with my yeah, hope <laughs> So as I as I was reading this, um, the the little tear that car- caused the corner of my eye from a hope perspective was I was thinking about the people who actually engage in politics, like that's their thing. Whether God called them to it from yeah. they were business people that God called them into politics, or that you know whatever they were doing in their career and God called them into politics, or even people like you who was like a career in politics that this message grips enough hearts that that whole swimming upstream that you feel becomes less and that there's less and less tension in the swimming upstream. Because if this idea, I think you said something in the book about how you learn very quickly when you're uh, in, in DC, that if you come with an idea that's not like not rooted right in, in, partisanship and it's something that kind of crosses a little bit or whatever, you can easily be dismissed. But if there's enough people Mm -hmm. that have a thought process of kingdom over everything in the midst, right? Then we can have conversations about the things that we agree that are going to serve people and help people, regardless of whether there's some, there's some goodness over here and there's some goodness over there. And then it's like, cause no, because there's nobody, I really don't believe this commentary I don't think that people are that, that, that far. Like a lot of people are super far left, are super far right. But yet you would think that that was the case. Yeah. And I don't think it's the reality. No, you go to other countries where there's like the fascist party and the communist party. And you're like, okay, now that's that's 
Like there's like a hundred parties and none of y'all agree on anything. And I don't yes. even understand this framework. Yes. And what's crazy is like, there's like Demo there's Christian socialist parties, which like those two words in America, like, what are you like? <laughs> right. And help me to understand this Lord. And I've lived in a lot of different countries. I was a missionary yes. in China. I lived in China for a while. I've lived in London. I've lived all over America and I've, and I'm very international. Our family is international. So it's kind of like, I have a better perspective of it, but not like the best, but from what right. little I've seen from traveling and being in other countries, like Americans are pretty close, but the media and, and I, not throwing the media under the bus on purpose, but like there's an advertising market that that really makes a lot of money off of our outrage economy. It's yeah. like the most profitable one out there right now. And we get to decide because we're thinking people whether or not we want to allow ourselves to have the kind of inputs like what do we allow like it says guard your hearts right guard your minds like you have to renew your mind in christ all the time so when you're seeing stuff and there's someone screaming at you on tv about why you should be so upset about that remember try to look at all the ads that come right after them and what they're trying to sell because somebody is paying them to rile you up and where's make my you cup hate. Of, where's my cup of tea yeah, my cup of tea. I needed to sip it. I was looking for my mug. I needed to sip it yeah. while you were just saying that. It's just crazy, isn't it? It's like, how can we, and I wrote, a, there's a chapter in there, I think it's still called Wise as Serpents. And it's about how, as believers, we get more discerning about what we allow to influence how we think about these issues. It's so important that we are careful about who we allow to speak in our lives, whether it's prophetically, or it's like pastorally, or politically. It's yeah. just, we got to get smarter. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so I talked about one of my hopes. I have about three hopes for your book. What's your hope for the message in this book and, the, and you know its ripple effects? I'm so glad you asked. My hope is that we choose to cling to each other as the body of Christ in love. Mm -hmm. I do not care how diametrically opposed anyone is from my perspective on anything. The starting premise is that everyone is created in the image of God and has innate value. That is like evangelism 101. It's why we fly across the world to go to a bunch of people who've never heard the gospel and to people who've lost their lives and like, you know, to go and share with the lost people in other countries. Listen, we're all lost. All of us, whether we're in America and they're your neighbor or they're in Papua New Guinea, they are, we're all lost. Nobody's more lost than anybody else. If we don't know Jesus, like to me, the goal is to like, when you know Jesus, we have more in common than any other thing in the whole wide world, yep. than our ethnic background, than our culture. Why does, you know, why does Paul say there's no Jew or Gentile, male or female? It's not because God doesn't celebrate diversity. It's because our overriding interest in Christ is so much greater. That's right. That, that should bind us together in our hearts to look for the Jesus in you, to look for the Jesus in me. And honestly, for people that aren't of faith, they're still made in the image of God and they have innate yes. worth that Jesus died on a cross for. That's so when right. we treat people, it's not like you treat Christians better than you treat non-Christians. It's just that we, we, that should be like, a non-negotiable, right? We shouldn't be even having the conversation about how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ because Jesus has early told us how to do that. So right. to, even having to think about that over political lines is just yes. yes. But how we treat people outside of the church is a reflection of what we feel about them and what Jesus says about them. Yeah. And so how do we engage with people that have so little of framework for yes. why we believe what we believe? And how do we come showing the love of Christ through the way we engage them and what we stand for? Yeah, so that's, that's so hope. good. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. I can't remember whether we had um, this conversation prior to hitting record or after hitting record, but that's actually my favorite part about this book. My favorite part about this book is that it started with the whole premise of operating in a spirit of unity in the body of Christ, yeah. which is actually Jesus's prayer that we may be one. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's the evidence, the fact that we operate as, as one, like it's actually the evidence to the world. Yes. So the fact that you started the book there and you ended the book there was actually a, a lot of things that I liked about this book that was actually probably in the top one or two things about this book, other than this really hilarious story that's 
so funny. Um, one of my favorite things about this book is the how you started it and how you ended it. Because that's you. what that, it's about. That was not coordinated, as I kind of briefly mentioned to you before we hopped on and pressed record, which, by the way, we should have all the outtakes because that was a really good <laughs> There was some goodness there. In the 90s and how we're the same age and how we have the same cultural references, which I love. Um, but I, yeah, I didn't intend to write the book the way it turned out. And this, again, one thing the Lord told me when I was writing this book was, I want you to put on blinders and I don't want you to look at what anyone else has said about this topic. And um, all these people who love me and are for me were sending me books like, you've got to read this. If you're going to write about this, you've got to read this. And I was like, thank you. And I just chuck them in the back corner. And, and I was like, the Lord was so clear. I had this vision of myself like a racehorse with blinders on. Yes. And I said, I would sit at my computer after working all day. I would write from like 7 p.m. to like 2 in the morning in whatever area I could find that was just silent. And I would just just let the Lord like, oh, come on, Lord, just give me inspiration. Help me to say this. I can't put it into words. I've never seen these these thoughts put into words before, yeah. but it's just help me to mine for the gold in here. Use my fingers to mine for gold. And it, it like, I think my last chapter before the final edit was about, um, I think it was like kingdom first or something. And that might still be in there. I don't really know. But it was about how, initially it was about something different. Right. And it was, it was very relevant, but it wasn't about unity. And as I was editing it, I realized after I was done editing the last chapter for the last time, that God had book, um, had done, what's it called? Book bookends. Bookends. Yes, yes. Thank you. Sometimes the Chinese mind doesn't work. Um, <laughs> what's the English word for that? The book ended the whole thing yeah. with the core message that actually really was inspired more than anything by Francis Chan and, and his book. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but also for by my pastor and yes. people like Bob Goff, um, who had always spoken about like, unity and it was so important to them and those are the people who just spoke to my heart yeah and i'm so glad god seeded all of that and i learned so much from people like that yeah because it just came so naturally so yeah you, know, you can tell sure it's that, yeah you can tell that's coming from an authentic uh, an authentic place i'm so glad because it wasn't intentional but that was yeah that is so good to use our scraps and turn them into something like salvageable right that's right well th yes this was more than salvageable Thank you for writing it. I, I'm. Thank you for writing this book. Thank so you. So good. All right. So you guys it. who are watching and listening, go get it first of all. And then, how do people? The people want to connect with you. Like, what do the, what do they do, Denise? So uh, my team just set up a new Instagram. Okay. <laughs> so I think it's at Denise Grace Gitsum G I T S H A M on Insta, and right. they'll kill me if I'm wrong. Uh, my personal Insta, where I'm just like very much me and not like the author of me, is yes. at DG Getsum. And I have a website, denisegracegetsum.com. So, nice. Well, we will link um, all of those things in you. the show notes. I so appreciate I Like I said before, um, so we have an agreement. I'm going to go ahead and put this on the recorded side. Uh, yeah. We have an agreement because election season is coming up and these kind of conversations are going to be so fundamental to continue to release next year in 2024. So I'm going to have you back. Um, I'm in whatever you need. More me than for. once or next year. <laughs> like it is finished. Like I said, Our it is finished. like whatever you need from me, I'm here because I love your heart, Shay. I Thank love you your so heart. Much. It is such the heart of Christ. You are so honoring. You're living out everything the Lord has told you to do. And it is my mission in life to find women like you to run as fast as I can after Jesus with. And you inspire me and you encourage me. And that's why I've low level stalked you for so long. <laughs> I'm so glad you finally gave in to my persistence. Um, I have like a dog on a bone when I want to be friends with someone. So you're that kind is of hilarious. <laughs> well, I reached out to you first. So you were really holding uh back. <laughs> Like two or three years after I reached out to you and I was like, hi. Wait, this was, okay. So I'm actually going to end with how funny this was, by the way, because this is what God does stuff though, is because when Bob made that comment to me about how we would connect, I was like, he said he was going to connect us. And then like a week went by or two weeks went by and he hadn't done it yet. So, so like, busy. Right. So <laughs> let me go look her up. And then I saw we were already friends on Facebook. I was like, we're already friends on Facebook. Yeah, so that's why, let me you. reach out. 
Yeah, I, I definitely stalked you. You were totally um, stalking me. It's like the perfect timing. Think about it. Like the Lord is so good in his timing, right? Like I feel like everything has its perfect season. That's right. And now I get to run with people like you. You're just, an, you're literally like so inspirational to me. And I just think like your spirit and the excellence in which you do everything and your wholehearted commitment to putting kingdom over literally everything, yeah. it really inspires me a lot. And I just, I love you with all of my heart as my sister in Christ. And I can't wait to just continue to see what God wants to do with this message, because the more we can say it, shout it from every cultural sphere of influence, the yes. better the kingdom is going to be here on earth. Yes, that's it. Ah, love you, Denise. Thank you so much you for joining too. me today. Thanks, sis.